You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. This is episode 373 with your hosts Fosma Moon and Seth Miller. How you doing? I am well, and yourself? Not too shabby, you know, which is only partially a lie, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me that question, you probably get the same answer <laughs> with the same caveat. Right? It's life is continues to roll onward. People are doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing to annoy me. So yeah, I feel like a, a week has been compressed into one day today. Yeah, it's only Monday, Lemon. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think we should start. I'm going to rearrange the topics a little bit here, but. Uh, Breaking news this evening as we record this on Monday night, Spirit Airlines, in an effort to match uh, its soon-to-be-new merger partner, Frontier Airlines, has decided to have a network outage. <laughs> so, like, did we talk about that last week? No, I'm like, is Frontier having an outage, or did they have an outage? So, did we talk about the merger? I think we missed that, because we recorded over the weekend, and it happened Monday. So, we need to put that on the conversation, on the topics, too. Um <laughs> So, yes, uh, Frontier and Spirit announced uh, roughly $6 billion merger plans uh, last Monday. uh, And then promptly Frontier's network went offline and they, like, had to ground flights for a few hours. So poor timing. Um, Plenty of jokes made about someone obviously didn't pay the merger fee, uh, etc. But uh, putting the outage uh, network out, and Spirit is having an outage on Monday evening of this week. So uh, that's where that reference comes from. But putting those outages aside... Frontier and Spirit, magic together. What do you think? I, I will they rename it America West? Oh, given the Frankies at the lead of it all. So there is that factor. Uh, is it Bill Frankie, right? Yeah, William Frankie. Yeah, William Frankie is the founder. Founded Spirit, his part of Indigo Partners, and then spun that off, and then founded Frontier, and now is sort of bringing the family back together. So. Um, Who was the CEO of America West before Kirby and uh, Doogie? Ah, I missed that part. So I don't that's know. that's why I called it America yeah. West. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know all that history. So that's good to know. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see how that you know whatever the potential is. It would be the fifth largest airline in the United States. There's a lot of people actually wondering if it would be too big and if they would if uh, the administration would let it get through regulatory. But they don't have dominance over any one airport or any one market, do they? I don't believe so. There's a couple where they might be a 15 or 20% player combined, I think. Uh, Orlando turns out to be a pretty big station for both of them. It's sort of a hub for both, and it's not a real hub for any of the majors. Delta has off and on over the years sort of run it like a hub in some ways. But uh, I think that's probably the biggest single location for them. Uh or Las Vegas, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't think they have that pricing power, and I don't think even combined that they have. They're still going to be significantly smaller than any of the big four. No, and if they can let the other four merge to be what they are today, why would they let these guys merge? Well, different rules, different administrations, etc. But I, I, I'm, I'm not all that concerned about it going through. I think that there, there still would be small enough. The the counterpoint to that is. If you take away competition in the you know, ultra low cost carrier segment, is that more harmful than you know taking away competition at the bigger end, especially um, you know of sort of more full service carriers because they're going to be less. Well, there's the impression of the lower fare of that being more democratizing towards travel, et cetera. 
So I don't know. I mean, if the, if the majors keep going the way they are, you know, Frontier and Spirit are going to have a, have competition either way. The majors are just becoming low cost carriers. There is that in many ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I every time I look at my big thing is like I look at this potential for this merger, and I'm wondering. You know, they're both ultra low cost carriers, but their sort of approach to the markets has been pretty different in a lot of ways, right? Like Spirit sort of started moving more towards business travelers, both in terms of like types of markets they're serving. They went into bigger airports, uh, more frequent service, sort of multiple flights daily on, on some routes, whereas Frontier seems to still be more broadly distributed, smaller markets, three times a week, not three times a day kind of thing. There's some interesting differences there i mean i guess my question is will they make atlantic city a hub isn't it a base for spirit it is but will they make it a hub mm-hmm. i guess for it to be a hub though you got to want to keep going further north from there right yeah or west yeah i mean yeah newark works as hub right like coastal cities work as hubs because you go across the ocean are there any big hubs on a coast that don't lead out across the water? I mean, at one point, Charlotte. Fair. Is that coastal? Eh, close enough. Baltimore? For southwest, north and south, yeah. And west. Um, fair enough. Okay. Baltimore is, what, 60 miles from Atlantic City as from as the crow flies? Yeah. That's fair. Um, no, we'll see. I, I like that, though. We could see a hub in Atlantic City. Um, also, big front seat. Well, does it stay or does it go? That's a good question. Uh, and Wi-Fi, right? Spirit has added Wi-Fi. It's in like 70% of the fleet now. And Frontier has not bothered. Spirit has the big front seat. Frontier has not bothered, although they have stretch seating. Uh, and there's a lot of questions like what's it going to be named and how's it going to be structured and all of those things. There is the Frontier Airlines is going to be the surviving entity from a corporate perspective. But other than that, uh, and that's just based on the sort of merger terms. But other than that, there's very, really very little properly determined yet so and frankie's comment was bill frankie's comment was sort of like yeah well we're gonna let that go and well you know as we get closer to having it approved or indications that it'll be approved by the administration maybe we'll sort that out so it's an interesting approach certainly to a merger i mean i guess it's good before you waste all your cycles yeah right don't, don't focus and you know keep running your independent companies and don't worry about the and don't spend the energy on things if you don't if you're getting the indication it's not going to get approved yeah, it's just wasted cycles yeah, but I mean, does that does that ultimately delay the effect affecting the changes if that comes to pass? Does it matter? I mean, well, let's think about this, right? The bulk of their operations are domestic. Yeah, the bulk of the complications when merging airlines tends to be the international stuff, okay, uh, and all the regulatory stuff. So they don't really have that hurdle. Systems integration. Who do they use for PSS? So use the same thing? Well, only one of them's offline right now, so I'm gonna assume no. Well, but they could have different instances. Yeah, I think it's all. Well, I think it's all hosted. Yeah. So, so if they're um, could be comms, it could be a communications link, not a right. system outage. Yeah. Um, that's a good good point. I'm not sure um, what that is. Uh, so Frontier is Saber. Okay. So let's see what Spirit is. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. I guess the the number of systems that have to come together. I mean, right, like different engines on the A320s is kind of an issue, but not really. Like you do, you, you set up maintenance and you do it. Um, and 
you make it happen. So Spirit is using an Amadeus acquisition. Okay. So they've got some complications there, but they don't book out the full 330 days. Yeah. So they have that work like literally, what is it, the 90 days that they book out generally? Um, the, the, their schedules are open further out than that, but I think the volume of bookings, I think we've seen a number of airlines in recent PSS migrations do that sort of, I think they call it a drain off or something like that. All At some point, all new bookings go into the new system and old bookings are staying in the old system. They sort of migrate them over as needed rather than a one-off massive cutover. Yeah, and I imagine the book, I mean, I imagine it wouldn't be too complicated if they do it right. Yeah. Right, the messiest of the big three was United Continental because they were on two very different PSSs and they just went for the hog wild merge everything approach. Yeah. Delta Northwest was easy because they were both on Worldspan. Uh, and AA took the drain approach. Yeah. But still had hiccups. Sure. But that was yeah. because they learned from the America West merger. Yeah. <laughs> Even despite how complex it was, the United Continental one operationally wasn't terrible. There were other challenges making sure everything, you know, the nuanced stuff worked, but like dispatch didn't go down. Dispatch didn't go down, but people's PNRs went missing. Upgrades didn't get processed. Seats got lost. Yeah. I, I would say that was a bit of a disaster. Yeah. Demanding all these upgrades. I mean, really, I mean, the best story out of all that is, you know, I don't know if you know, and I know it's not common knowledge, but after the fact, when they discovered that upgrades weren't clearing, a common friend of ours was manually running a query in their data warehouse to see who should have gotten upgraded and doing it herself. Wow. That's crazy. But, you know, it's the same airline that used to run a major portion of their website off of an, ex- uh, an access database. So, Stranger things have happened. Honestly. We are talking about an industry that uses technology from 40, 50 years ago. And is proud of that. Yes. So shifting gears a little bit to the modern new from the ancient. Uh, did you see the new Finnair business class seat? I did. The Air Lounge is the branding of it from Collins Aerospace. So, uh, which I guess is the same company that used to be BE Aerospace is that whole seating product line. So but known for a variety of different business class products. It doesn't have moving parts, really. I didn't notice that part. So this is, it's cocoon shaped and fixed shell and privacy and sort of angled out. And it's a one, two, one layout and the divider center divider goes down. It's a lot of the sort of bog standard table stakes, whatever you want to call it to get to being a proper business class cabin. It's got the sort of slightly angled footwell situation. There's, there's the part where like where your feet go down as you, or as you sort of like walk into the seat space uh, and there's a gap there that comes up to create the full bed, but the seat itself doesn't really have a recline. It doesn't have like a, a moving back. There's you get pillows and blankets and other things to help you become comfortable in the space, but it doesn't real. It's right. It's not like so. Good news, bad news. The servos and motors can't break. It's much lighter because of that. Uh, it's much less complex, so it's lower costs at a variety of levels. But will it still? You know, will passengers still? be keen on that? Hey, that's a good question. I guess if it's a live flight, will most customers even realize? You're right. And so, right, I mean, you you sit in your seat, you have your dinner, whatever, 
maybe you sort of lean against the sidewall and prop a pillow on against your back to watch a movie and then you lay down to sleep. Like, do you need the sort of infinite recline angle options? I don't know. I mean, I'll say one of the problems with at least the Polaris seats, and I think it, this carries over to some of the others, right? There's no such thing as recline now. It's just recline and forward. What do you mean recline and forward? It's just like up or down? No, no. As you recline, the seat itself oh, starts moving forward. Right. Because so you get, you get yeah. closer, closer to the screen. So if you're trying to maintain distance from the screen or you don't want to feel so cramped, you can't have a recline and not not be getting closer to the screen. Yeah. Push this, push the tray table out of the way with your stomach. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I think that's the, it's a function of, and yes, you're right. I think that has shown up on more and more new seat designs of late. It has to do with the way the servo, the motors are set up in the track of what the recline is to let that sort of relatively tall seat back become the bed, the top half of the bed. Well, and I think it's also what gives the seat, the person behind you, a stable front. Yeah. Right. If there was a moving seat or something, then it wouldn't be always uh, stationary. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you absolutely need that fixed shell. I think God, I'm trying to think of the last sort of lie flat, like true lie flat business class product I've seen that wasn't a real shell like that. And there's a couple out there, but nothing recent. So um, that is definitely part of it. But yeah, it's, that is a good point. Um, I hadn't thought, I, God, it's been so long since I've gone long haul, long haul flying. Um I feel like, but yeah, no, the, uh, the sliding forward bit is challenging. So yes, this won't slide you forward because it can't slide you at all. Exactly. Um, new premium economy also. It's good. They're actually launching. This is the, the first planes that'll have premium economy on them for, uh, Finnair. I think first flights are in early March. Three thirties and three fifties are getting converted. So fancy, fancy plates. They're known for their, uh, stylish design. I've actually never been in fin- on Finnair. Oh, I've flown them in coach uh, to Vilnius when we went like 10 years ago, but it's been a while. I've um, had a number of reservations on them. <laughs> Cancelled. Yeah. Um, yeah. We shall see. They uh, And the Marimekko, right? They have the Marimekko uh, yes. patterned pillows and such. Even economy gets pillows, and uh, premium economy gets a, like a fancy neck pillow with a little, you know, clip to hold it onto your, you know, whatever instead of a normal, like bed square or whatever rectangular pillow. I thought that was interesting. Do you get to keep it, or do you? It's have it's unclear how many of them they expect will still be on the plane at the end of the flight. Because generally, a neck pillow gets pretty damn close to you and like embedded in you. So mm-hmm. I mean, yes, all pillows do. So. Yeah, but I feel a neck one gets even closer than. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I I would imagine that many of those will find them find their way off the airplanes for one reason or another. So, so it's going to be one of those things that lasts for one season, and then they go, "This was a bad idea." Yeah, God, we we, we expected the ten percent breakage, not ninety percent. Oops, uh, disappearing. But yeah, that and it looks really nice. Um, and again, it starts flying in. Uh, March, they've got to convert. The, I think a few new delivery 350s and 330s are coming with, or 350s are coming with the new product, and then 330s are getting converted, and some of the 350s are getting converted as well. So, big screens, new IFE system, fancy fun, yay! Uh, Boeing, there's a 
a report out from a investment bank saying now that the triple seven X is unlikely to be certified, unlikely to be certified by the end of 2023 and might not enter service till mid 24. Are we surprised? That seems a bit surprising. It's my comment earlier today was like, if it doesn't seem surprising to me, I guess 2023, End of 2023 is still, what, 22 months away. So that seems, that is a long time. Like, how could they not get it finished in that much time? But, you know, we talked about it the other day on the show, the challenges with EASA in terms of, like, the separate control systems for redundancies. And do we, I mean, I don't see, I'm sure it is, but, like, I don't see reports of it doing the test flight hours that it needs and frequently and i feel like that's the sort of thing like we would see of like hey it's up again and, like you sort of see some of that tracking i don't know it's like is it even try are they even trying right now or are they still trying to figure out what it's going to take to get certified before they bother accumulating all those hours is what i don't really know about i mean i guess the question is you know they started the test program two years ago yeah and i feel like the test programs don't last Three and a half years, three years. Typically, they do not. So, what did they find? Well, right, right. I mean, it's. I think it's three thousand hours is typically a flight hours is normally about what it takes. And so, if you get a few test aircraft produced and you start flying them, you can usually, you know, and things are going well, you can bang that out. But they're not, so something's going on. I mean, it'll be an interesting. It'll be interesting what happens to the people waiting on these planes, right? I think um, Emirates is probably clearly waiting on these to get start getting rid of their 777, so they'll have to keep those longer. Yep. I don't think Cathay will really care, because they probably won't need them ever. <laughs> Cathay will still be in business? That's why I said they probably yeah. won't need them. As an aside, did you see the, uh, the Hong Kong government is now blaming Cathay for importing all of the cases of COVID and is threatening to like prosecute the airline for that? I did not. That is yeah. So that's bad news. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, Lufthansa announced their new product and it was going to be the flagship business and that crazy, like, giant center seat suite thing and all of that crap. And it was how they <laughs> suckered uh, Skytrax and gave them the five star rating on a product that didn't exist yet. And now it's going to be a five year old product before it launches. Yeah, it'll be time to reinvent it by then. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a generation behind in terms of what's available on the market. So. Uh, some really interesting challenges there. There's also apparently a similar uh, but different challenge in the total uh, certification timeline for the MAX, both the 7 and the 10, in that if they don't finish within five years of the beginning of the certification effort, there are, like, it no longer counts. (laughs) It's sort of, I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously nuance to it beyond that, but that's how I was reading the report of basically if they can't finish in time, it becomes a different type of certification that they have to negotiate through. <laughs> so. Interesting. I wonder if Boeing will end up selling 777-300s. Could they restart making them? Have they stopped? Are they still making them both in parallel? They must be, right? I know that there was... Yeah. They've got to be. I know they were started 777X production at one point, but... Uh, um, nine unfilled frames right now. Okay, so they're still making them. Yeah. I mean, also, they can't deliver 787s. They don't have China back yet, even though there was all that talk at the big turn of the new year about how China might finally re- allow them again. 
So deliveries are slow there. There's, you know, for a couple of years, it's like, yeah, whatever. They're a big enough company. They can handle it. They can handle it. Like the cash flow and whatever is not that big a deal. I'm going to start wondering now, like, what does the cash flow situation really look like? Yeah. I mean, it, it can't be good, uh, particularly at a time when your competitor is pushing planes out. 60 a month. Yeah. Not quite 60, 50 a month. I got the delivery sheet here somewhere. But yeah, it's it's a lot. So not good for Boeing. Uh, Max is moving again. Yeah, but again, not in China, which is the biggest single customer in theory. I saw something today or yesterday about the uh, there's a delivery center that they're putting out in China for the Max. Okay, and Boeing, and which had been in in the work for some time, in the works for some time, and Boeing talking about how it's ready to start delivering again, like a news release, like right, you're ready to deliver, but you legally can't because they can't fly the planes. So that's a cool story. Uh, <laughs> It felt like a sort of PR push to like try to force an issue that doesn't seem to be going otherwise. I thought that was amusing. Oh, crazy. But competition in Frankfurt for transatlantic flights. Condor. Yeah. I'm going to get Condor flights here in Boston. I'm very excited. Three times a week, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Boston coming this summer. Uh, can Lufthansa? Keep, sorry, go ahead. Are they keeping the yellow knife flight? Uh, I believe so. That's a flight I would like to do. Yeah, yellow knife with the tagged anchorage. Yeah. Um, apparently, it does good business in the summer, which I mean makes sense. It's a good time to be up there. But uh, can't um, obviously Lufthansa can't be happy about this. But could Lufthansa really respond in a way that matters? Does Lufthansa care? That's also a fair question. I assume it's a 330, couple hundred seats, only three times a week. Lufthansa's got all of its transatlantic capacity plus the joint venture. And I would argue that it's probably two different demographics. Pure leisure versus... I mean, I, I, in pure leisure, that, but, you know, the, I imagine Condor's a lot of uh, all-inclusive packages. Package deals, yeah. yeah. That's a fair point. Vacation, yeah, the vacation package uh, offering is definitely a different market. Yeah, and so you know we know that a lot of the legacy airlines got out of the consolidator business quite some time ago. So, how much of that business would love to see, anyways? Yeah, fair point. Um, I mean, there, <laughs> there obviously still were some people. I guess, do, do you end up because? Because consolidator packages now become available in the market, some people who were DIYing it and booking their own and putting it together walk away from lifting like, okay, well, I get Condor that has the hotel and the car included and I'll just be done with it with one booking. There's probably a little bit of leakage there, but maybe not as much as I was thinking initially. I think that would be more price driven than anything else. Yeah. That's we've, we've certainly learned that the process of doing all the effort to compare what the price is of all the different pieces versus just buying it once and being like, yeah, it looks close enough. Uh, about you easier but i feel like in this day and age with all this technology information and at our hands it's harder now than it used to be 100 percent. i spend far too long comparing prices and trying to figure out what the hell i'm doing when i'm booking flight yeah i feel like it, it used to be like a 5 10 minute process now it's 30 45 minutes to see which one i'm going to book i'm impressed you can do it so quickly <laughs> sometimes yeah no i mean well right this is the unbundling and whatever of 
okay, fine, but what do I actually need, right? Like on a fly domestic flight, if I don't want basic economy, how do I filter that out in which different meta search engine to make sure I'm getting the fare that I was going to buy anyways? If I want to include Spirit or Frontier, right? If I'm including Spirit, how do I add in the pricing for big front seat and checking a bag because, or even doing a carry-on bag because they charge for those? Like, how do I include that? And is it their bundled price or is it the other thing? Like all of those processes are very difficult uh, to comparison shop today. And it's, you know, I love that all the others like, oh, NDC, it's going to make it easy to like shop for exactly what you want and this and that. And the reality is the unbundling and to an extent, some of the NDC stuff makes all the fares much more variable and harder to compare. Well, and now, I mean, and the other thing I think that plays into this is the airlines are clearly playing some manipulative tricks because pricing varies. You know, it used to be a price would stay the price for a little bit. Now, subsequent searches can change in price, or you might get a different price in an app versus a website. Yeah, I I had the, uh, we were talking about this, I found an an award fair that historically, at least those were sort of, you know, you had a chart and it's cost what it costs. I had one, and I'm, I'm willing to accept that the chart doesn't exist anymore, but one way pricing higher than round trips on United now, like half of a round trip. That makes no sense to me, but you know, they're charging you a premium. Yeah. For the luxury of taking the flight that I wanted, I guess. Um, anyway, uh, happier stories. The Portland airport carpet is coming back. That's exciting. It is. Did you know what the pattern on the carpet is? No. The pattern on the carpet was based off of the runway layout at the terminal when the carpet was designed. Oh. If there's a link in the show notes. If you click on it, there's a handful of pictures, and one of them is like the original, and it's like an overhead view of the like crazy layout of the runways. And I think there were some cross runways that now don't exist anymore, where the, and they're where the terminal sits now. There used to be like runways in that space, but there's an overhead view of that plus the carpet next to it. And you can see like the angles and the right, the, the right angles and the lengths and the whatever matches the, uh, matches the old runway light. It's the black and white photo on that page. So it's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, yes. But I was today years old when I learned that. So, uh, it's pretty cool. I wonder if they'll uh, sell the carpet now so people can take it home. <laughs> so they're not replacing the old, the new carpet that replaced the old carpet. They're basically getting someone to remanufacture, uh, again, but it's going to be, and it's only going to be in like the meet and greet area and then like pockets of it hidden throughout the rest of the terminal as part of this re- renovations. And it's too bad Steven's not here. He would have enjoyed this conversation. I feel like as his, his home terminal, but, uh, it was super interesting to see that they're bringing it back and making a big deal of it. Um, obviously. So people do seem to love that carpet. Um, last story going to Ukraine anytime soon. No, might not be able to fly there. Uh, over the weekend, there was a story out that some insurance companies were no longer covering aircraft uh, flying through Ukrainian airspace, commercial planes, which is bad news. Um, and then there was a follow-up, I think, late Sunday that the government put up some amount of cash as sort of fronting the uh, necessary insurance policy you know, indemnifying the insurance companies, right? We'll, we'll cover it. Here's a few hundred million dollars. Please don't cut us off. Uh, KLM at one point announced that it was going to halt flights in, in and out. Uh, some other airlines were sort of going, we'll say playing it day by day. I think uh, Air Baltic added a bunch of flights to try to get people who are trying to escape out or evacuate, whatever you want to describe it. So 
Um, that is a very touchy situation and uh, one that I hope doesn't become the mess that I'm afraid it will. But commercial aircraft also affected. Yay. Not looking forward to that. No, indeed. Uh, I believe that's all we have for this week's show. There's a couple other topics we were going to bring up in the bonus section for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, some labor strife at United and getting getting your rocket flight on. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, feel free to leave us a comment or some feedback uh, at Dots Lines. If you like on Twitter, more.smorelines.com. Uh, hit us up on Patreon and for a couple bucks a month, get extra content uh, as previously teased. And other than that, look forward to having you back with us next week. Take care. Take care. <laughs>